Round up the usual suspects. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Hello and welcome to Action Jacks. I'm Tim Out. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. S&P Futures down 11. As a futures down 68, we're almost flat. We came in. It was only a few minutes ago. I know on the S and P, we just ducked down here some. Uh, big story last night was this uh, snap chat. Um, uh, they lost. Well, they missed on just about everything. Stock was trading 16. Now it's 11.58. That's ouch. Um, kind of took uh, Meta down with it a little bit. Straightened down roughly nine bucks, 174.25. Do we have Mr. Kevin? You do. So, so it was flat until you got in, huh? Uh, sort of. So what? Uh, when so everything was fine until you got there. So if they're going to round up the usual suspects, should I expect a knock on the door and my producer to be out? Coming after you, Tom. You're in big trouble. I think Matt's in more trouble than me. He's, he looks way more suspicious than I do. Mm, I've got that eye about me. Well, probably. Yeah, just the... Uh, you know, what do they, they, they say in the well, Animal well, House? He's younger and he can survive jail. Yeah, what do they say <laughs> in the Animal House? He's a sneaky little bleep. <laughs> was the, the one guy? What was his name? The uh, Wormer? Not what? What Dean Wormer is saying about the one guy? He's a sneaky little something. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, Niedermeyer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was Niedermeyer? God, I would. I wouldn't uh, compare Matt to Niedermeyer. Matt's much nicer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you ever see that movie, Matt? I gotta be honest, I haven't seen Animal House. Oh, God. I've seen Revenge of the Nerds, though. I'm familiar with Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, God. If you got any Revenge of the Nerds jokes, or references, I'm there. So when somebody says that you, you got it, the Germans yeah, bomb. But, but Animal House definitely out. Well, <laughs> it, you, you have to see Animal House, and it's just a slightly earlier uh, version of my college experience. And of course, the uh, resident uh, assistant at our dorm who was in charge of uh, our group um, is sitting uh, in the in the opposite room from you so um you, you know who's to blame yes <laughs> i was well i was the law and order however that you were the law you were the law you were the order you yeah, were the something. uh the buffer between <laughs> between uh, uh us and uh and big trouble yes you were sort of like a regulator you i was you know, yeah uh, you, nowadays you're, you're just like one of the regulators where you know, your job was to uh, keep the law away from us. Uh, I remember the guy. What was, what was the, the guy's name? Who was the downstairs resident assistant? And he they heard they, he got some complaint about some noise, and he came upstairs. And I told him go back down and watch your own floor. I'm not so sure that's that was what you're supposed to say, but he was kind of a little nerd. I just said you go down and watch your own floor. I'll watch this floor, or not watch this floor, or something. And so he did. Yeah. And so he did. And so yeah, we did. You, you, you looked into it, but you checked all corners yeah. of the uh, of the dorm. It has been. It has been. It is. We're not in the corner. It it, it, is, it has been investigated. <laughs> God, the uh, and it's under control, sure. The uh, one of my oh god, 
well, well, we're on the subject. One of my views of authority early, early on, Matt, was uh, we, when uh, when I was a freshman, it was right near the end of the Vietnam era, so pretty much any, anything went. Uh, you know, kegs in the room, you name it. Uh, booze all over the place. Well, that started to get kind of uh, ramped down, shall we say. So finally, by the time I was a senior, um, if you wanted a keg, you had to go and get it approved to the uh, the keg committee, who is mm-hmm. which was the dean of discipline and some other guy. Remember, remember Father Lally? Yeah, I did nothing but uh, cur- you go over to the gym every night just just do curls. The guy had just big, huge arms. Well, it was him and uh, Machika were sitting there, and uh, he was the dean of discipline or whatever the hell he was. Dean of, st- dean of student life was that same thing. It wasn't discipline. It was in high school. Whatever it is, it what, was. What, uh, he was the guy who, who threw you out of school. Yeah, he was. He was. He was the law. So, so Dave Murphy with the Afro hairstyle, and Craig Fowler, who ended up becoming a, a very conservative attorney. Those two guys were on the. They were our keg committeemen. So everybody get their application. These sections who wanted a keg, we get their application, and they they trudge over there and they sit down and they talk about this this section needing a keg. This is in the this is in the dorm, Matt, believe it or not. Yeah. So this section needed a keg, this section needed a keg, who was invited, blah blah blah. So you have to go through the routine, you know, showing that you were planning for your party and everything. I, and I get it. So one one day Craig is taking some some test and he asked me to stand in for him. So there I go I go over with the fro, Dave Murphy, and the two of us wander over and I go, This this is kinda weird. Now I'm an RA. So we sit down and of course there's two two sections wanting a keg. So one of them has, oh, there's going to be like 40 people there, and we've got these people coming over, and parents are coming up, and blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like a nice party, right? So then there's my knuckleheads, which is Kevin's section, and there's going to be like nine people <laughs> for, for a keg. So Lally goes, man, it sure looks to me like if a, if a keg is for this one area, it's, it's good enough for 40 people. Uh, I don't know why it's this group over here in nine Needs a keg too. Looks to me like they need like a couple of cases or something. <laughs> so this is Dave's section too, Mr. Fro. So I, I go, you know, Dave, isn't that your section? And he goes, yeah. I said, you know, you guys really invited more than nine people, didn't you? Well, there might be a few stragglers coming in. And I'm like waving my hand like, come on. So I go, uh, Father Lally, what what if we change the nine to like a twenty nine? And he goes, well, then it would work. <laughs> so we just rolled a two in front of the nine, and off we went. <laughs> yeah, you saved the day. You <laughs> saved the party. I'm like, this this is really all there is. To yeah. <laughs> the school. I'm like, Kevin, you know these little. Well, here's, here's the other news. If they would have said no, we probably would have done it anyway. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without without a doubt. There's always a way. Because <laughs> you guys already had the keg. I think I, I wouldn't drove. I wouldn't got it, didn't I? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But I mean, we, we did we did have a situation like that where uh, <laughs> where the dorm had a Friday party and we we were gonna uh, um, and then we had a bunch of people show up from you know the the Indianapolis crew had some of their friends show up and uh, so there there was uh, there was leftover there was a leftover keg from the dorms party that they were gonna return untapped and it seems to me like we asked if we could have it and they said no so we. <laughs> Everybody was there, and it's about nine o'clock, and it's, oh, let's go get it. <laughs> and my point was, why did you idiots ask in the first place? Why did you just go get it and replace it? Yeah, better to ask for forgiveness <laughs> than permission. No, we did ask for both. <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was it was a good good time was had by all. I mean, now you wouldn't see that in a dorm today at all. I mean, I, I doubt very seriously. And what year was this? What year was this about? Seventy four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
sort of right right after Animal House. Uh, and so going back to the Animal House reference, um, watch that, and you'll know a lot more um, about this crew. And that includes um, Mr. Flanagan would be uh, in, in included as part of that group. Oh, John and, uh, was there too. Wow. Who yeah. else who's on Stocks and Jocks regularly? You know, Doctor well, uh, Doctor Johnson. Doctor Johnson among them was Carl there. No, Carl, I'm not sure where Carl came from. <laughs> Carl, Carl actually was building a business right out of college, I think, and uh, and uh, doing very, very well. We were, we were worrying about finding kegs. Um, yeah. Anyway, Kevin, we'll, we'll call Carl Strange, uh, and, and he, uh, he should like this. We'll call him Strange yeah. Visitor from another planet. Yeah, well, I'll, powers I'll far beyond, beyond those of mortal men. I'll just paste all your Im- all your faces onto the uh, actors in my head, and and I think I'll have a better idea about uh, your 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 uh, history in college. Oh, it was a uh, we, we had a good time. We had a good time, and we graduate school was the enriching educational experience. Well, I actually did. Uh, I, I mean, I I really well, as soon as I shifted over to economics and pre med, I really I thought there there were a couple of <laughs> odd guys who were, were teaching, but I really thought. I, I couldn't wait to get to class. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I love the subject, and I, everybody, I took a grad course uh, my senior year, and I, lo- I love that guy. He's, he's still, I think he's still alive, Kevin, Professor Bernal. I think he's emeritus or something. Terrific guy. Yeah, well. uh, we had some, they had a guest lecturer from Australia who was unbelievable. I don't know if you ever took him, Kevin, but he was he was probably the no. best there. I thought Father. I was Fitch- in the business school, not the econ That's school, right. so I didn't have as much uh, as much going on there. You can either take economics in the business school or in arts and letters school. Man, I was in the arts and letters school. Uh, but anyway. I was in the business school because I was a finance major, which really was economics. Yeah. Now, what's the letters? Is that just lettering, or, or what is that? Well, uh, arts and letters. Yeah, calligraphy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I th- I, in my head, I pictured stenciling. Well, good. <laughs> no, it's, it, it was liberal arts. Yep. Ah, I see, I see. Because even the, the stuff at University of Chicago, I mean... There's, there's a huge difference between my economic background and, like, Hal Snars. Like, Hal, Hal's much more of an econom, uh, econometrist. We're actually trying to dig out all the numbers and stuff. I'm more of a, a behavioral economist, like a George Stigler uh. type of guy. And, well, well he's a Nobel Prize winner, <laughs> and I'm not, obviously. But, anyway, Kevin, inter- interesting, talk about page two. Uh, an interesting story in this uh, Snapchat last night. The stock is basically getting its ass kicked this morning. It's down 474, trading 1161. I do, uh, I mean, people know this, I mean, I don't go into it in detail because I don't give any investment advice, but uh, whenever a, a stack comes up for earnings, if you, if you look at your option pricing models, um, one of the assumptions is that you're, there's going to be a steady flow of information regarding a stack. Well, guess what? That doesn't happen, right? Uh, you know, if it's a, a, a Fed day or it's a Labor Day or it's a something... But clearly, one of the days where you have a discrete piece of information is the day. How's that for a term? So early in the morning, discrete piece of information is when when the earnings come out. So it comes out. It's four times a year, where usually uh, the, st- the stock is priced for a move the next day after earnings because it's a big a big news event for any stock. You know, some bigger than others, but uh, for clearly like a Snapchat. I was going to say, it's not the same as telephone. The telephone dropped two bucks the other day when the straddle was 80 cents. But w- you, can, you can estimate what the, mar- the market, the market, as the coach would say, what the, what the market thinks that the movement is going to be in a stock, say the stock's trading 15 bucks. If you look at the 15 call and the 15 put, all right, and, one, and they're both, say, a buck and a half, well, the sum of those two is $3, obviously. So... 
what happens is that the market is telling you to anticipate uh, over under on, on the move the next day is going to be three bucks. So what I try and do is find a calendar spread this week, next week, and say the same on the 15 strike uh, that is less than a tenth of the the straddle, which is actually very hard to do. But once in a while you do it, and it doesn't seem, for whatever reason, as much as these things are priced, you know, everybody's got their computers and everything, once in a, this, this price varies. The straddle could be three bucks, and the, 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 the caller put spread could be a dollar and a half. Or it could be 15 cents. Well, last week I was looking at this one in Snap, and the stock's trading like 13.10 or something. It's, you know, it's not, it's not higher than it is now, but it was, you know. So the straddle is like 15 cents, and I'm going, wow. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be all over this one. But, I, but I, I had five days before the earnings were coming out, so I said I might as well wait and just do it the day before. I'll have a better idea on what the strike, what strike I want to do, because obviously you want to pick the right strike, uh, or at least come close to it. So I don't do it last week, Kevin, for 15 cents. Also, the next day it's like 14, then it's 14 and a half. Well, yesterday things traded like 16. And now these spreads have opened up to where we got to pay 25 cents for them. And I'm thinking, I'm owed this thing at 15. I'm sure as hell not paying 25. <laughs> how's, that, how's that for? I mean, I mean, there's no way I'm, I'm, I'm paying 25 cents for my clients when I should have been able to get it at 15, right? Plus, I don't really know if I like the stock up here at 16 anyway, so I say, screw it, I don't do it. Turns out <coughs> the thing opens at like 13. So it's, it's right on the number of where my original spread would have been had I done it last week, which would have been a huge winner. Well, now, now the thing's 11 and a half, and I'm thinking it probably would have been somewhat of a winner, but it's not a huge winner anymore. I'm like, this thing has been all over the block, 13 to 16 to 11 and a half in like five days. I mean, th- that's, that's a serious U-turn for a, for a stock that's fairly low-priced. And what, they, they, they lost on revenue, they lost on uh, earnings, they lost on guidance going forward. I mean, it was a... And, and here's another one. Meta, to most of you, might be, still be Facebook. Things trading like 180 yesterday. Well, somebody <coughs> goes out on uh, July 21st, which is yesterday, and buys 8,300 of the next Friday, July 200, 220 call spreads for like 250. 8,300, Kevin. It's, it's $2.1 million trade. Well, as soon as, as soon as the snap comes out, which I don't get the connection between the two of them, all of a sudden, Meta's down 10 bucks after the close. And now this morning, it's only down 9 It's come back a buck. So this thing is now a long way from $200. And this guy, this guy who ponied up to $2.1 million, uh, has got to be sitting there going, what did, what did I just do? I mean, crazy stuff. I mean, it's, I mean with big money flying around. I mean, I, is, is there any, is, what is, you guys who know better than me, what is the connection between Meta and, and, and Facebook, basically? I don't, just, just that whole area or what? I'm not sure what you're asking. They're the same corporation, are they not? Uh, well, they're separate stacks. Snapchat's a different company oh, than Facebook. Facebook listed separately from Meta. Oh, God, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, they're oh. li- listed separately from Snap. Oh, okay. But I'm saying as soon as Snap started getting whacked, Meta went flying down. I guess I don't get the connection there. Well, um, I, I don't know, unless, unless people... It, look, I, one of the one of the tea leaves to uh, read will be as you go, as we go forward. will be watching the um, Musk and uh, Twitter uh, situation unfold. 
What do you make of that? Because on the one hand, Twitter would like to sue and force the deal, because they'd really, you know, given where their stock price is now, I'm sure they would really, really like to get what Musk had originally uh, offered for them. But, uh, you know, the, the real case is, did they misrepresent the, the real number of customers that they had? And I think they're, you know, the, the discovery process for the trial is going to be all about that. And it may very well be that the information is starting to flow about what the real situation is there, and it's being applied to all others in the social media space. Well, How's that could, for a theory? That, that, that certainly could be. I just, the, uh, how do you, you know, if, you, if you're the judge on this thing, if you're on the jury, uh, well, there's a bunch of stuff we should talk about about this case, just in general, because we're not, you know, we're not part of the, the process or anything. But the, uh, I'm going to say that the, the Twitter had, well, first of all, the guy on the show who's told us more about bots than anybody else has been you. All right, so you you were aware of all the fake. I use the term fake accounts. And, and if, and if uh, I decided I wanted to get a million followers, what I would do to keep pushing that, mu- that number up, right? I would, I would get, I would, I would want a bunch of accounts myself and put put, put myself in there, right? I mean, I'm going to say, right, and it's, that's so easy to do with a, uh, um, you know, with a virtual server. You can, you can spin up as many, or or out of the cloud for that matter, you can spin up as many, um, uh, not just identities but uh, IP addresses. Um, to go with them as as you please, so you know you can make it look good. Well, my my suspicion is again when you start accusing people of stuff you shouldn't really, but my suspicion is one of the biggest bot guys out there is probably Musk himself. If anybody knew about uh, bots, in uh, his case, I don't know one way or the other. I don't even have a, a, a feeling for it. Um, I, I think the the most uh, abusive, at least early on was uh, political campaigns. Uh, probably. You know, and they were the ones that, you know, I mean, how, how did Hillary Hillary Clinton post an announcement that she was going to uh, run for president and get like 10 million likes within the first hour? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I mean... And, and that's because the, they fired up the bots. Well, can, can, uh, take, take 30 seconds or a minute and explain to everyone from top to bottom what exactly a bot is. A bot is simply a uh, it's a it's a computer and the computer you can have an identity associated with it, um, but typically a computer that's botted is co- it's it's compromised. Uh, um, so you can do that on purpose by building your own network. But what also happens is that um, uh, it, you know sometimes it's the bad guys the the quote hacker, which is a, a pretty generic term nowadays. There's specific, different specific kinds who will compromise a computer. You visit a website, and uh, and you get some software loaded on your computer. Now your computer is a slave to a central command and control. And central command can fire up the bots, can start telling all of these compromised computers to do something. And it typically runs in the background, so you don't know it. You don't know what's happening. You don't know your computer's compromised. And... Uh, and, and, and other than maybe it runs a little slower because there's this, you know, you got these background jobs running, and you can make it do all kinds of things. So if you want to, for instance, uh, send a denial of service attack up against a website, so take stocksandjocks.net, 
if you really wanted to keep you know mess with socksandjocks.net you would tell a hundred thousand a million however many bots you have how many compromised computers you have to just start bombarding it just keep entering www.socksandjocks.net over and over and over again at the speed of computers and you would put so much traffic on your web server that um, nobody would be able to get through now you can imagine if you're an online seller that uh, that's not something you want to happen to your web servers. So that's you know that's that's a malicious uh, approach to a bot. I've also seen uh, stories of people who run a website um, and it gets uh, uh, advertising revenue based on people clicking through. If you if you if you click on an ad, they get paid. So you visit the website, they compromise you, and then they, uh, in the background, um, have you uh, doing click-throughs so that they get more revenue uh, fraudulently. That's another version of a bot. But an- uh, a third version would be, hey, I built, you know, uh, pick a number, 10,000 virtual servers, you know, for virtual uh, computers or cloud, you know, computers in the cloud and my central command and control tells them to like something so that it looks like there is a groundswell of opinion in favor or to follow somebody so that it looks like somebody is way more popular than he or she is well can't you just uh what what if i mean i i don't have a i don't have a twitter account because i don't want one because of the regulation i have but uh what what if somebody just signs me up wouldn't that be a bad if i didn't do it Someone could make it look like it's you and make a pretty convincing case that it's you. Well, like, I mean, what do you need a convincing case? Why don't you, why don't you sign me up? Or sign, sign anybody. Sign a fake name up. Yeah. Well, that, you know, and that's, you know, that's a big part. Well, that, that's a big part of uh, how bots are used on social media. So, yeah, I can't put a like in on your, um, uh, on your uh, post if uh, I don't have an account. So that's you know that's the first thing you do is you you go create all these fake accounts, and then you know with the automation you tell you know you tell all your fake accounts what they're going to like. Um, you can even uh, you can even send canned responses to things, um, and and you see that you see sometimes um, that the same response is used over and over and over again, not necessarily to one message, but to it's sprayed out to a lot of different uh, sources. Well, I guess my so my question looks, is, it looks like an individual response, but it's really not. Well, lo- long way to make a long story short, they say don't tell it. Uh, my question is, is it, is Trump or Trump? Why do I keep saying Trump instead of Musk? Because I've made her face out there all the time. Uh, why? I mean, Musk. He reminds me of Claude Rains in Casablanca. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I think he knew all about these things before he before he. He might have. I mean, I just, I mean, my, my concern with him is, because I, I you know, It's one thing to know about them. The, the, the real question is to what degree, uh, uh, how, how many accounts do they represent on the platform? And I, I think, you know, I think Twitter was saying it's like 5%, you know, that, that they think they've got it managed to the point where it's only 5%. And Musk is looking at it and saying, no, I think it's more like 20% or something like that. And therefore, the value of owning this, the customer reach, isn't close to what uh, what you're stating it is. And because you've misstated it, uh, that would be fraudulent. Um, that would be fraudulent not just in terms of the acquisition. It would be fraudulent in terms of what it's telling the investment community and has been telling it for years. 
Well, if you drop back to the different level of the chessboard, the guy did the same friggin' thing with his own company. I'm going to take it private at some huge price. And he got all kinds of trouble with the SEC, and he got allegedly spanked, and they, when they got rid of this, he couldn't be a CEO for a while. He could just be a prat or whatever the deal was. I don't know if he got fined or whatever, but he, he was supposed to somebody was supposed to monitor his tweets or something, something. Same guy's doing the same thing, Kevin. I mean, he lobbed a number out there. All he had to do is he lobbed it off. I remember watching CM, well, CNBC someday. I watch it every day. And uh, he, he lobbed this, was it 50 to 4 hours? 54 or 44? Um, anyway, we'll talk about more about this after the break. The minute he did it, they got five alleged experts, ex and expert, on there saying, this, this company's worth 20 to 25. What's he doing? All he had to do was watch TV for the next two hours. He realized he had screwed up and immediately starts backpedaling. Well, you don't you don't get to do that. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to you have to necessarily fulfill. Yeah, I understand. But, but I, you know, Musk is. Uh, I, I I don't know if he's ignorant of what the laws are, or if he just doesn't care. Doesn't probably, care. Uh, you know, probably the latter. So I'm not defending him in this uh, scenario. What I but what I am saying is uh, that it's it's fraught with peril for yeah. uh, Twitter. All right, um, but SP Futures every bit as much as it is with Musk. We'll keep going after break. SP Futures down eight, and as if he's down fifty-four, come back a little bit here. I'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, 
is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Anybody tells you money's the root of all evil, doesn't f***ing have any. They say money can't buy happiness. Look at the f***ing smile on my face. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Okay, it sounds like Matt Byrne in ten years when he's witch. When I finally take the stock market by storm. Yes, when you when your ship comes in, as uh. they say. <laughs> S&P futures up 10, I'm sorry, down 11. NASDAQ futures down 58. Dow futures actually up 23. American Express up 634 as they beat on a revenue and on, a, on a earnings. So they're up pretty good. Verizon, Verizon and Telephone both got whacked. Telephone's down 2 bucks yesterday and uh, Verizon's down 2 bucks this morning. Kind of surprised there. I don't know how those guys uh, really lose any money. Seems like everybody does is pay them. Uh, in Asia, we've got... Nikkei down up 111 is 0.4%. Shanghai down 2, call that flat. Hang Seng up 34, call that flat. Boy, they're really. Hang Seng has been up and down every single day this week, and now there's a pause day today, so I guess they deserve one. We're in Europe uh, to the upside, but slightly. DAX up 37.3%. FTSE up 13.2%. Kick around up 9.2%. Uh, yesterday in the U.S., we were another another strong day. Dow was up 162. SP 500 was up 39. NASDAQ up 161. So we had a Really, really strong week, especially on uh, technology stocks. Even if we get back a little today, which I'm not even so sure we will, <coughs> still a pretty good week. Man, a really good week. Uh, bonds down 11 basis points, which is really something. I mean, everyone uh, thinks the Fed's doing what they tell us they're doing. I, I don't know how you believe that. Uh, it's 2.79. The button down 18 basis points to 103. It's 18 basis points after the Bank of England, uh, uh, after they raised rates. I mean, it's, un- it's unbelievable. Japan uh, down one to 0.22. Uh, oil uh, down a buck 65, 94.70, way under 100 hours now. Brent down 154, 102.32. Natural gas down five cents, 7.87. Arbob down five cents to 3.10. Uh, we've got gold up 9.30, 17.22. Good moving gold to the upside. That's a uh, uh, well, it's only 0.5%, but still nine bucks is reasonable. Silver unchanged, 1871. Copper up three cents, 333. Uh, we've got crypto up 418, 23,515 on the Bitcoin. So that crisis seems to be, at least for the moment, behind us. Uh, and we also have the dollar this morning is uh, 1.01 uh, against the euro, or the euro is 1.01 against the dollar. So um, the euro is still 
more than a dollar after duck, ducking below that by like a nanosecond a couple weeks ago. Now, what do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Hey, good morning. Currently 6.36 a.m. on Friday, July 22nd, 2022. In the MLB yesterday, Yankees at Astros was a doubleheader game. Game 1, Astros win 3-2, and Game 2, Astros win again 7-2-5. Tigers at Oakland, another doubleheader game. Tigers win. Game 1, that was 7-2. Game 2, Oakland wins uh, 5-2-0. Rangers in Miami win 8-0 against Marlins. Dodgers beat San Francisco Giants uh, 9-6. Tonight, uh, someone local. Cubs. Uh, Cubs at Phillies. Uh, 6-05 tonight. Uh, White Sox uh, back at home uh, taking on the Guardians. Catch that 7-05 tonight. And Diamondbacks versus Washington. Catch that 8:40 p.m. tonight. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently, it's partly sunny, 70 degrees, a high of 89, and a low of 70 degrees. In Phoenix, mostly cloudy, 95 degrees, a high of 113, if you can believe it, wow, and a low of 92 degrees. Now for traffic in Chicago, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road and Harlem Avenue, a light traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between North Harlem Avenue and Foster Avenue, heavier traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 35th Street and the Jane Byrne Interchange downtown, and finally traffic northbound on Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. So we got Chief, back to you. Um, Kevin, our SEC, who's totally looking the other way on all the insider trading in Congress, and uh, you know whether there's a law. But the weird part is, um, I don't know where, where's my securities law people who probably disagree with me. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say, Kevin, say that uh, there is there is absolutely no securities law regarding insider trading and defining it. There's no debated law from Congress. Now they kicked some of that authority of the SEC, and there's case law, and there's definitions, and there's rules there, and all kinds of stuff, but it's never been really debated sort of anyway. It's whatever, whoever the SEC feels like going after becomes insider trading. And the people they don't want to go after, they define it narrowly enough to say they're okay. Now, uh, I don't just say that as a, a, a random citizen. I say that being someone on the trading floor for 20 years and watching them try and uh, uh, worry the big firms and their idea of insider trading and how they'd how they cut the definition such that they were never guilty. Yet if you were a regular person, it was insider trading. <laughs> There's no doubt it was insider trading. But um, look at this. Now they've got a uh, – they, they, here, I'll read the headline from uh, Ryan Brown, as I wrote the article. Coinbase blasts SEC over insider trading case said none of the tokens it lists are securities. Uh, an ex-Coinbase product manager was charged Thursday along with two other individuals in a first-of-its-kind crypto insider trading case. In a separate complaint Thursday, SEC said that nine of the 25 tokens allegedly traded in the scheme were securities. Coinbase's chief legal officer, Paul Gruel, denied the claims Thursday in a blog post titled, Coinbase does not list securities, end of story. I'm going to say, Kevin, I don't know that they're securities, but they sure as hell aren't coin. They're not money. They seem to be more like securities than any other stuff. Well, he's, he's trying to tap dance here, and... Uh, he you can make a pretty. You can probably make a pretty strong case on it. Um, but if if somebody and, and, and you may just as well have a judge who goes get that crap out of my court. You know, I, I I ain't buying this. Well, I mean, the point. What, what is what is what is Bitcoin? I mean, it's a security. It's not. It's not a currency. I mean, it's not a coin. I mean, what is it? It's a. It's a fake stack, in my mind. But that doesn't mean. By definition, it's a stock. Your question is, if it's not a security, is it a negotiable instrument? Uh, it appears it is. 
Something. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure either, but I know it's not. A, I know it's not currency. I mean, it has many of the characteristics of a of a negotiable instrument, but the question is: Is it really in its in and of itself a negotiable instrument? What I, I would have, if if Scotty beamed me in the Oval Office tomorrow, which ain't going to happen. Uh, they, maybe they would as a janitor, but uh, they beam me in as, as president. It, of it, hey, look what happened. Look what we have now. It could happen. It could happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, would be, it would be no no stranger. The first thing I would do is first of all replace everybody in the SEC. But if, before that, can you, do you still get a phone in there? Can you, you actually have a regular phone on the desk? And I want I'd want a regular phone, not just a, a, a you know a, a cell phone. I want a regular phone. Anyway, I'd call the head of the SEC and say, "How many insider trading cases do you have out there?" And well, we got like five hundred. Well, until you can figure out a way to go after the people in Congress, stop on all the five hundred. I, I refuse to put somebody in, in jail for for doing less than the people in Congress are doing. I just can't do that, Kevin. I just can't do it. I mean, my, my that the speaker was asked yesterday about it in, in her press conference. And what did she say? Uh, she, someone said, has your uh, husband ever uh, um, uh, benefited from information he got from you? She said no and immediately t- walked off the stage, terminated the press conference. How, how do they... How do they she was not. She was not up for a follow-up question. <laughs> I, well, she's just like Janet Yellen when our buddy, uh, what was his name? Uh, I'll Pedro. Take Pedro. When Pedro uh, asked her, what, what, "What's the what's the story of the insider trading uh, deal?" and she was visibly, and then Pedro got never was asked back and got canned from the Wall Street Journal for asking the question. This is this is our America, Kevin. This this is what. Yeah, I don't is, know who asked the question. I only saw the clip of it, so. They won't I, be asked I don't back. Know who the questioner was, um, so but probably someone who's not going to get fired for asking it. That or will? No, probably not. Well, they won't. They won't get. I, I, I'm guessing it, it would have been like a, a a Fox or a Newsmax or somebody like that. I'm I'm not sure they get invited back. Well, might not get invited back. Although there is a there's a whole gaggle that attends those, so I don't know if you can avoid uh, having the person back. I I don't know how that works with Congress. Well, I think the, well the people at the at the Fed ones seem to be very very selective on who they let in. Now you're saying the White House is not the same way, or whatever. This is the White House. Well, it's not the White House. It was Congress, and but there, I mean, there was a podium, so it was set up as a uh, um, as a press conference as opposed to you know just catching her in the hallway. I, I just I'm curious is uh, there, there there's certain people in the world, you know, me being amongst them, that are a, a certain class of human being. That when you look in the mirror, you say, "Man, <laughs> there's some gray hairs. This guy needs to work out a little more." What do these other people look in the mirror? What, what do they see? Super people or what? I mean, what? How did how does she not have a problem with this? Knowing that that someday somewhere somebody's asked her these questions that are totally indefensible. Because uh, you, you get to a point, especially uh, in a political career, but in a lot of people's uh, uh, types of career choices, where you think you're a better class of person. Than everybody else, and therefore you have it coming. But I, I when it's when just part of the job, it's the trappings of the power. When our friend and Danny Vance sent the, and where he got this, I have no idea. Sent the thing out that uh, uh, about the people in Congress that who's you know, where they found this. No idea. Maybe it's public information. I don't know. Uh, people's accounts that did way better than the market in the last five years or something. People in Congress. 
Well, the first four or five were Republicans that I never heard of. I mean, if 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 it was if it was me, Kevin. Hey, if you're going to be dishonest, the low profile is the way to go. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'd want to be the the la- the last butt on the bench of the committee. I hear the words like Nvidia, and we're going to give them two billion or five billion or whatever their number is, and we're going to give you know Intel this number and this this number. And by the way, we're we're not going to give uh, you know Burn Enterprises anything. And I want to be the guy in the end of the bench that the next day buys buys calls on Intel and puts on Burn Enterprise. I I don't want anybody to know my name. Yeah, put but me out there. But once you once you get to the point where you know you're going to be asked a question, how are you not smart enough to stop? When, when you well, know your name is to find a way to uh, you know to either justify it or to make it look legit. I, I think once you, I would say that if, even if the other mutts are doing it, the chairman of the committee shouldn't do it. I mean, what would I say shouldn't? I'm not so, about, so I guess the moral of the story is make your money before you uh, become chair of the committee. Uh, well, I think people are doing that. Well, I mean, you know, and then become chair of committee and stop. Well, I'm saying it's not. I don't think you can. It's not a question about once, once you're there, it's not going to stop. Well, I, I, I uh, I'm not saying that the morals don't do that. Uh, criminals don't stop. No, they don't. And and and, and rich people seemingly never. Never uh, tire of screwing somebody for the next dime, no matter how rich they are. Well, I'm not willing to be that blanket. I think some, there's, some. there's some very wealthy people who are great. Um, but, uh, but yeah, once look, there, there's, there aren't very many people who are one-time dishonest in the world. Um, no. There aren't very many people who, you know, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a character trait, and so it's going to carry into all the dealings. You know, that's why I always think back to... Uh, Bob Foy at Aon saying we don't do business with people like that. Um, well, and I, I would I would bet that uh, if that got on his resume, that stops him from two thirds of the jobs in this country. At a high, at a high. Uh, yeah, well, he was the executive VP of the corporation. Only Pat Ryan was <laughs> was was higher. Uh, on the uh, on the totem pole, so uh, I, I don't think he was worried about that. No, no. My, 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 again, I misspoke. What I'm saying is, if he if if he if a headhunter, well, headhunter at our at our level, executive search firm, sorry, was marketing him to somebody, and he said, "Well, here's a guy that will not do business with <laughs> countries that do slave labor and blah blah blah." Any company that does business with China is not going to hire the guy. They're, they're going to get somebody who doesn't care about that. It's all the, it's all just the dollar. I mean, Nike wouldn't hire him, right? Agree. So I mean, in in in, in some people's world, being uh, a sneaky little bleep like the guy said, Dean Wormer said about somebody, puts you at the top of their list of people they want, right? I mean, it, yeah, and in other others, it, it puts you at the bottom. There, I mean, there's a there's a real fine line, even in, in business theory, because the University of Chicago. Uh, was, you know, and Milton Friedman would say it once in a while, and I always disagreed with him on this, would say that as your executive, your only responsibility is to the bottom line and to the shareholders. Okay, that's that's somewhat of a interesting statement, because then it comes down to under, uh, what, what is your time horizon? Because your time horizon is 100 years, well then, th- that necessarily includes, you're not going to pollute anything, because by the way, 
50 years from now, when you're forced to clean it up, it's going to cost you 10 times as much as you ever saved by polluting something. Oh, by the way, you can't have ma- massively horrible uh, relationships with your workers because that only, that only is a temporary situation. You can't constantly screw the area where your factory is because they're going to want you out of there and never give you a break. So if, if, if you have a lot... Well, I see what, what you're saying here, Tom, is I, I think Friedman would agree with you. Now, you, you would yeah. know better than I did uh, because you sat in classes with him. I've only seen, you know, rather lengthy interviews in many cases, but um, uh, but I've, I've seen interviews with him, and I, I, I my impression is that he would agree that even though your commitment is to the bottom line, that these other forces are going to are, are going to direct you uh, are going to direct your behavior just as much as this month's profitability. Uh, yes, he would agree with me. Problem is, the the statement was too easily truncated to where I've heard so many people say your only responsibility is to the bottom line and forget all the rest of the stuff that he might have said afterward. Well, yeah, and that's because we don't do a good job of teaching ethics in business schools. The uh, hey, I was pretty we impressed with all. We don't, we don't get people to think more about uh, you know to think about all aspects of their business, not just uh, not just the profitability. But if if you sign up a new executive in a turnaround situation, or in such a situation where you uh, you might incense somebody, I know I, one of the contracts what I know about. At the Board of Trade was when the guy was hired, they incented him to sell the place. And that if he were to sell it, he, he was going to get like 20% of the entire amount of money above the, the current price of the stock. Well, you're not... Right. You're so his job was to put a fresh coat of paint on everything and then uh, put it up for sale. Well, and, and if he could possibly have gotten away with taking some uh, revenue up front and pushing expenses further out that the next person's not going to catch... In the short term, it might make the stock price look higher. He was de- he was essentially encouraged to do that. Now, whether he did or he didn't, I'd probably say I'll say he didn't. But but he, he was encouraged to do that if he could. Correct? Uh, might uh, might have been, uh, you know. But I uh, actually, most people who acquire are will see through that. Uh, yeah, I suppose. Maybe I mean I, I don't know. You don't you don't this thing with. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to discount the, uh, um, uh, you know, how widespread stupidity is in in many circles, but I, I really do think it, uh, that it would it would be extraordinary for someone not to go in and take apart the books, look at the cat, you know, not just what you know what the earnings are, what's deferred, and so on, but look at cash flows, look at EBITDA, look at all of those things, in, in addition to uh, um, you know what the um, what the accounting practices are. Uh, you know what, Kevin, it brings up a, we have some time, we we'll sort of dig into this, and I, I'm going to try not to be uh, too neighborhood or, or uh, ethnic specific on this, um, because we're, we're actually seeing this this, this uh, Mustang actually is giving us a new way of doing stuff. You know, if, if it works out for him, um, like I said, there's there's some in some areas of the city, if you list a building, uh, say it's a million dollars, it's a it's a you know courtyard, three courtyard kind of building. Even if it's in a bad neighborhood, matter of fact, usually if it's in a bad neighborhood, if you list it, somebody is going to call you up and say, "I'll take it, I'll sign it, I'll, I'll give you a million. And uh, and you're going to say, "Well, you haven't even looked at it yet. Doesn't matter. I'll take it. But now I get to inspect it. All right." Well, then the next day, they're going to say their inspector 
they just just drove by the place and the porches look like crap so uh, by the way we're down to 800 now now everybody knows that if you go look at a house and you find out there's radon in the basement well okay that's some, that's something you could not have told when you were there there's a list of like common sense items uh, that you know if, if, if the roof's leaking and you didn't see it it wasn't raining that day and you get these these items and usually you'll negotiate them with the with the owner right it's a negotiation process but it's it's not uh, boy the sink doesn't look so good when you when you're staring right at the sink you know type of thing there, there's some I'm gonna say common sense stuff there but then but then whenever you see common sense or what you think there is Kevin you and I may think it's common sense but other people don't so now uh, yeah. I mean what, and what you're getting at with this is that there are definitely uh, uh, you know basically when you put a house up for sale it is as is um, as long as the as is is either disclosed or it's in plain sight right but now and so but I never so I, we're not renegotiating any of that stuff but in the, I'm saying this other style <laughs> in these other neighborhoods is no we, we're down to 400 we'll give you 400 but you said you'd give us a million yeah but that was like before we look well, well wait a minute so now in my whole business career and I've seen got takeover after takeover after takeover I think if you if you said you're going to take over a place and the next day like maybe they got indicted or something you might have a, a, a you know some way to weasel out or somebody doing criminal activity but the idea that that I'll, I'll I'm gonna pay 54 for it by the way I get to, I get to inspect it and redo my bid that boy Kevin that, that is an outlier from everything I've ever seen in this Oh, by the way, you you got by. Well, we got mice in the basement. I guess my sixty-five hour bid's really sixty-two now. I've, I've never seen that. Yeah. So here's so here's your question as you bring it back to Twitter. Um, is Twitter had representations? They have representations in their public filings um, about you know about what their customer base really right. looks like. So the real question is is if you're getting into it later as part of your diligence and you find out that they've been misrepresenting it and maybe misrepresenting it all along. That's your question with Twitter. Well, is, you know, they, so so from Musk's standpoint, that appears to be his claim, and from Twitter's standpoint, it's no. We told you everything we knew. You gave us a bid. That's the bid. We have an we have a contract. We have an agreement, and so there will be a discovery process, and there will be a court decision. It looks like the trial is going to happen in like September or October, something like that. Well, because they, so, they actually did know, sit down. It's going to so be one of those things that's kind of fun to watch. Well, I, mean, I guess where I'm going with this is they, they actually sat down and talked about it after he just lobbed it out on, on TV, basically, right? And so they actually have a signed contract. So I don't really, so that, but I'm saying just in general, the world would be pretty weird if I'm going to say, well, where, where's Verizon trading? 45, 45, I mean, if I was, you know, somebody beamed me in with 90 bazillion dollars if I were to say I'm going to pay 55 dollars for Verizon okay I mean if it turns out that uh, you know they're being indicted in 15 states and kept it under under and it wasn't public knowledge maybe I could do something but the world is not ready for me to go in and say oh man this didn't look like the place I thought it was 55 make that 49 I, I don't I don't know that the world's ready for that I've never seen that before have you Don't know. Not personally, no. I've never been involved in an acquisition situation like that. I've been involved in, in uh, at least one walk away, um, but uh, that never, you know, that was a letter of intent. So, 
Well, let's, let's say he weasels out now. That, that's two strikes. Does he get a third? He did it with his place. Well, what do you what do you mean? Does he get a third? What what strike are we talking about? Well, the first strike that, was he's going to take he was going to take Tesla private. Then he didn't. He lobbed a price out there, and his stock ran up. People bought it, and then it went back down, and people got hurt. So that was strike one. Now this Twitter thing, if he if he manages to, I'll use the term weasel out. Uh, a lot of people went and thought he was he was legit and bought the stack up. Now they they got they got spanked. Now does, does he get the does he get the pick on stacks and jacks next and say I'll give you twenty million for well, stacks? Well, let's yeah. put it let's let's put it this way: somebody in this case is going to be guilty of fraud. But not I don't know which side that's going to be. It won't be criminal fraud. There's no charges here. No, this is a civil case, but it could very easily, if once you've been pro- uh, proven. Let, let's just say Twitter has been materially uh, re- uh, misrepresenting um, the value of their company based on you know the number of uh, uh, legitimate accounts, and there's documentation to show it. Well, then certainly Musk would have every right to walk away from that, and... Twitter all of a sudden is now has to start saying, "Ooh, now that that's been documented, am I uh, am I uh, guilty in a criminal sense?" You know, some uh, I don't know which Twitter executive executive that would be, but uh, but you'd have that possibility. So that's what I'm saying. Is this is there, there's potentially some peril in here for Twitter? I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't you know. Right now, I'm not picking a side in this. I'm just looking at what both sides' arguments I'm are. Gonna- and thinking this is kind of interesting. Let's see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say because there's regulators involved. If Twitter materially misrepresented their stuff, that the SEC will insulate them from the Justice Department. They'll find them. They'll do something. Which takes us right back to you as the yeah. RA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Insulating us from the Justice. You know, we only Department. two minutes. I'm going to just lob this one out there. Maybe we can talk about it next week if it's if you think it's worth talking about. Our Constitution, whatever whatever it is, whether we like it or don't or think it needs work, uh, when we did stuff you know, about double jeopardy and be people being, uh, you know, Kevin Kevin didn't really steal my car. He's pretty, he was innocent. But by the way, I can come back at him with a civil suit and actually win the civil suit because he, he looked like he was 80% guilty. Not, not a reasonable doubt, but even though he's innocent, he owes me, you know, 90 bazillion dollars or something. I'm, I'm getting a little leery of that with some of these cases. I mean, I, that that sounds to me like, okay, in this court system you can only go once, but this other one they can come after you a million different times. I don't know if I like that. Do you? No, I think it should go after you once, and that's it. And it needs to be it needs to be a wrap. Okay. Well, you're going to kick me off in a yep. minute. Let me uh, let me just throw out one little uh, interesting nugget. The the Cubs drafted 20 players this week. Sixteen of them were pitchers. Oh, really? So they think yeah. they think they had enough. Sixteen of them were pitchers, including one, two, uh, out of the out of their first fourteen picks. Thirteen of them were pitchers. Do they think they got enough for the rest of the guys? Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe they're just maybe it's throwing up at the wall, and some of them's got, some of it's going to stick. I don't know. Well, it seems like with all these young guys, they got a lot of pitching anyway because the White Sox took 12, and I think you know the Diamondbacks took like nine, um, but 16. 
in that many in a row at the beginning is uh, is kind of interesting. Did either of those teams, the Cubs or the Sox, uh, get any of the, the, the picks between the first and second round, the compensatory picks? Um, don't think so. I don't Not think they did either. Uh, Now, best I can tell, no, um, but uh, I, I'm just looking at the draft tracker that shows me 1 through 20, but I don't see, like, uh, you know, 5 and then another one in round 5 again. Yeah, all right. Well, that's interesting, because I, mean, I think they think they're stacked in the outfield and uh, other places for a while. I mean, they got Hap, they got that uh, kid who's real fast. Is his name uh, Morrell? And, uh, and, and like they're, Morrell, they've got Pete Crow Armstrong in the minors. They've got, yeah, they've, they've, they have some players. It'll be interesting to see what they do on the trade deadline, too, if they're able to parlay anything into uh, um, into a player. I, you know, I don't know, you know, uh, the only guy who would bring them a lot presumably would be Contreras, and I would hate to see him go, um, but I also understand that when the guy's 30 years old and he's in a contract here, um, that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking down the road to when you think you can be good again, he might not be part of the equation. I would miss him. You know, my yeah. my favorite thing about uh, Contreras is I think he's one of the best base runners I've seen over the last ten or years or so. Um, he, he is just a guy who never fails to grab an extra base when it's there. Yep. Uh, you know, he's he's always got the great slide to avoid a tag. Uh, I, I just you know, and and that tells me you you know we're talking really smart baseball player, and I I really would miss miss watching him. But um, all I remember about sliding on those old. All I remember about sliding on those old diamonds is I, I, I had some huge raw marks every time I did it. Oh yeah, I used to have to stand up at work, uh, you know, during the day and peel peel my suit away from the uh, yeah away yeah. from the open wound. <laughs> S&P futures down six, Nasdaq futures down thirty nine. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. 
Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Isle. It's Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures now only down 7. NASDAQ Futures down 42. We've been up pretty much every day this week, so I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we found a way to be up here again today. The uh, We have Mr. Carl Denninger. You do. What's up, buddy? How are you? Well, you know, appropriately caffeinated and uh, ready to uh, rip up some uh, misconceptions. Um, <laughs> well, there's a lot of those around, but, you know, maybe... Uh, Maybe people really want them. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you know. I think some of that's there. Um, I, let me let me poke at this uh, Musk and Tesla and Twitter thing a little bit. Yep. Because um, that's you know that's where you guys were and where you sort of finished the the first hour. The um, so there's a couple of things that are interesting about this case. Uh, Musk. Um, lost his bid to extend the discovery and trial process. Uh, there was a, a minute order that came out. Uh, basically, a judge said, uh, no, this really does you know, have exigence and therefore needs to, uh, to proceed on an expedited basis, which I, 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 I can argue both sides of that. But, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that, uh, that Musk was trying to do was get this pushed closer to the drop dead date on the financing package, and and I understand the logic on that because uh, the, you know his argument, which is probably valid, is that there's there's probably a couple of petabytes worth of data that needs to be sucked in and analyzed, and uh, you know try doing that in a month and see how that works out for you. So there's there's going to be information compression that comes into the into the play here, and, and that that is very unfortunate in a complex situation like this, where essentially the essence the essence of the argument that he has is that the the statements that the company has made in their public filings are false. That they're not mistakes; they're knowingly false. Okay, that's and, and and by the way, there's some interesting things in the merger agreement. Apparently, one of them is that the normal sort of diligence that takes place before you actually, uh, uh, you know, formally sign a bid uh, was truncated, and and in its place was a representation that everything in the SEC filings was true. Now, of course, you can't do that with a privately held company because there's no SEC filings. <laughs> Uh, right, but you can do it with a public company because there are, 
And and then a few days after this deal was signed, Twitter went back and filed restatements. Really? All right. So so facially, this argument. Now this is this is what I'm taking from reading some of the the filings that have been made by both sides in the in the case so far. Uh, so facially, Musk has a has an absolutely legitimate claim here in that the company turned around and, and essentially restated part of what they what he had relied on as representations when he made the bid. Now the question the the question at the bar from the standpoint of the of the court is was that material? Did that change did that materially change how you'd value the company as an acquiring party? Well it also uh, to to a sneaky dude like me, or uh, if anybody knew the nuts and bolts about the stuff that didn't count, and uh, and the, the fake bots and so forth in Twitter, it has to be Musk. Well, but see, here's so here's here's part of the problem. And I don't know about all the other all the other companies, but I've seen enough people get banhammered on Twitter. Um, and I've been suspended a couple of times because I said that was, in the last couple of years I've said a couple of things that people didn't like, having to do with uh, you know with with the pandemic and things like this, and you know and I've drawn uh, you know twenty four hour and forty eight hour suspensions and and there's a strike count that they maintain that you can't see, so you don't know exactly where you are on that on on that line and whether or not it ever ages off. So you know unlike baseball, you you know you. You, you you get three strikes as a batter, but you get a second turn at bat, right? <laughs> they yeah. start over. Um, there's uh, whether or not that ever happens with Twitter is an un, is absolutely an unknown. It's a black box. There is no way for you to look on my system. If you have chargeable strikes against you on my discussion system, they, they, they if they're still there, you can see them. They come up in the header of the of the system every time you log in, so you know you can tell exactly where you are, and you know the penalty process is laid out. Twitter doesn't do this. Facebook doesn't do this. None of these guys do this. Snapchat doesn't do it. Instagram doesn't. Do it. You know, the, the entire thing's opaque. But what I do know is that I've seen people get hit. With, with a ban, come back with a second account, and sometime later get hit a second time. Okay, basically, you know, you try to evade the ban, you get caught, and, and that is a violation of, of pretty much anybody's policies. If, you know, if, you, if you're shown the door in a bar because you're a thug, and you try to come back in with a disguise and get caught, you're not going to get it. You know, there is no process the second time around. You're out, the bouncer rejects you. And so that's, but, but the thing is this, it is fairly clear to me that the, a company that prides itself on machine learning and that supposedly does all this by algorithm really doesn't when it comes to these sorts of things. And the reason is this, um, I essentially have zero spam type of problems on my system and it's not because people don't try. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of accounts every single day. I mean, I go back and I look at the log files, and there are, are bot registrations that are attempted on a continual basis. And the system catches them 
99.9% of the time, and they never even get a validation email to say, you know, is your email address that you gave me, is it any good? It, ne- it just never happens. It instantaneously bans that account and blocks the IP address where it came from to prevent you from doing it again. And if you get banned and try to come back, the odds of you getting away with it, of, of getting far enough, even if you're human, to key in that second registration, it, it, it's infinitesimally small. It's not It's not 100% effective. But I can tell you that on Twitter, it almost never is, is automated. It's caught by automation. They're not looking, and they're not looking on purpose because it's not that hard to do. If I can do it running a little, you know, a little blog and a little discussion forum, by God, somebody that's got, you know, more money than, than the, the Lord himself when it comes to their compute infrastructure can absolutely do it. And they're not doing it, and they're not doing it on purpose. Well, when they, so, well Kevin used the example of, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, because of all the regulatory stuff, I don't do Twitter because, you know, uh, we'd have to monitor right. everything I said. And what I mean, it's crazy that... <laughs> All these other people could say whatever they damn well please, but I can't just because I'm a Series Seven. But anyway, right. uh, but I mean the whole idea that if when when Hillary Clinton decided to run for president and you know she got 10 million likes, I was impressed. <laughs> I'm saying maybe I should. Well, but, but see, the, but the thing is, is that there's and this goes directly to the the central point, which is that the the business model, the basic business model of all of these firms is broken. Okay. The entire premise behind this is that you don't pay in cash anything to be on Twitter, to be on Facebook, to be on Instagram, to be on, on Snapchat, to be on any of these sites. All right, you you pay no money, and yet the money does get. I mean, it gets spent in order to run all the computers and the data centers and everything else, the transport and all of this. So none, nothing's ever free, right? And as a result. Who gets who who gets the bill? And the answer is allegedly advertisers, right? I mean that's that's the model, right? Okay. The problem with that is as as anybody who's ever bought advertising, and I certainly bought plenty of it when I was running MCS, is that your advertising budget comes out of your gross operating margin. Therefore, you can take the inverse of that to figure out how much your advertising budget must return. To, in terms of top line to your business in order for it to be worth it. So if I have a 10% operating margin and and I spend $1,000 on advertising, I'd better generate ten at least ten grand, or I'm losing money. I'm literally throwing money down the toilet unless I make more than that from the $1,000 that I spent. And then, because, you know, that's, that, uh, that's all I have the, to operate the business on is whatever my gross margin is. So the problem I have with all of this is that when you look at the at the advertising that's out there and what's and you know what comes across your screen when you're when you're looking at these things, uh, I don't buy that the financial side of any of these firms works unless there is some game playing going on that's undisclosed, and that and that is a huge problem because the person who's getting screwed is you as the user on that site. So the idea, you know, when I when I look at the advertising that shows up on my, on, you know, on my phone when I if I pull up Twitter on the app, um, interestingly enough on TweetDeck you don't get any advertising if you use Twitter on TweetDeck on the desktop, which yeah. Um, 
but if I use it on my phone... Really? Okay. Yeah. If I use it on my phone, 80% of the advertising that I see is cancer drugs. Well... Keytruda is one of the most prolific, okay? Now... Um, what is what is the net present value of, of a cancer drug advertiser to to you know to show me a ad for cancer drugs if I don't have cancer? Um, this whole we 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 probably should scratch out a Friday and just talk about what would happen to the world in general right now if we re up the law that says that drug companies can't advertise. How many? Well, but I mean, clearly, the net present value of, of trying to sell so you know it's it's like trying to sell me tampons. But but, okay. you, but your but your your formula, by the way, is is a uh, that's that's a blue collar. <laughs> not going to insult you. That's a blue collar own your own business formula. Do you honestly think that if Coca Cola has five hundred signs at the the new Cubs ballpark in Mesa that they can honestly tell you that the five hundredth sign is worth anything or how much? Well, no, and this is, but see, this is the problem that you have generally with advertising and marketing. Okay, marketing is an expense in every business, uh, and and you know, any any business beyond a trivial size has a department. We have one, and there's somebody who's in charge of that, and it's their their job is to try to drive public perception and knowledge of of the fact that you're there and what you do, and get people to come and look at your products and services and buy them. And that's, I mean, you know, advertising is part of marketing, but it's not the entire thing. You know, it's the image. It's, a, you know, it's all the, 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 the coffee mugs we used to hand out trade shows with our logo on. I mean, you know, it's all part of this game, right? But when you get down to it, it's a cost center, and it has to return. It, it has to have a positive return on your bottom line. Otherwise, you're just wasting money. And so it, at some point, there has to be a, you know, confluence between earnings, actual earnings, and, and these expenses. And what I, what I have a problem with with all of these social media sites is that the only way I can see these things making any kind of sense analytically to any company when you get far enough into it is if, for example, your, your behavior on these sites and what they can see and what they can learn from it, whether it's from your interaction or whether it's from tracking data that they're maintaining that they're not telling you about, that they're collecting, you know, the, the, where's your location when you're walking around staring at Facebook or whatever have you. If that's being sold off to people without your knowledge and without your consent, in other words, it's not just advertising on your screen, but your car insurance costs an extra $20 a month because... You, you happen to drive in places that are more likely to cause accidents, so they say. But that's not, you don't know that that happened. It's just that you got screwed out of an extra $20. And there was, when, when I used to be a schlub that was doing wage work, there were companies that were trying to do this with a lot of different data, including, for example, what was in your grocery shopping cart. And the hook for this, you know, I mean, and nowadays we, we've all got these, you know, these frequent shopper cards, right? You get, you know, you get a dollar off the ground beef, you get, you know, 50 cents off this, you get 25 cents off that. All you got to do is scan it. You Well, guess what? That entire register tape, along with your identity, belongs to the store. Who do they sell it to? 
what stops them from selling it to the health insurance company? Well, nothing, probably. Well, see, now that's a problem, isn't it? Because did did you did you buy did you do this? Give them that data and give them consent to this. You got something for it. Your ground beef was fifty cents a pound cheaper, a dollar a pound cheaper, whatever. But did you know that in return for this? Now you know maybe it's less of a factor now with Obamacare or whatever have you. But did you know that as a result, uh, the fact that you had three cases of beer in your shopping cart meant that your health insurance went up by two hundred fifty dollars a month? I uh, think we're very close to that. <laughs> if, if we're not there, well, I, uh, see, I see, I, I can't make yeah. the numbers work for any of these companies unless they're doing this. Well, that's 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 why some of them aren't doing so hot stock wise. I mean. Well, but, but, but Chief, okay, but isn't this at some certain level fraud? Okay, and by the way, where, where, does, where does the line get drawn if, if in fact, all of these, these metrics that were put in, in the record as official statements, under, and allegedly under Sarbox, which of course we know is a joke, nobody gets prosecuted under that, but allegedly under penalty of criminal felony, okay, if these were intentionally misstated, then then you tell me why people shouldn't go to jail. I, I would never argue that with you. I I the only thing I, I will say, and it's not an argument, is for God's sakes, look look around you in the sense that we have a uh, an executive branch of every of every of every government around that is in charge with enforcing laws. Half of them are breaking them, and and you and you only get charged if there's somebody you don't like, and any and any of these white collar. Well, well absolutely, and you know, well, look at what just happened with Colbert's group. Okay, yeah, it, it, you know, his his group gets caught doing uh, wildly violating the law with from a trespassing point of view, and the Department of Justice declines to prosecute. On the other hand, people that were were part of January 6th, you know, they're they're doing five years of hard time. Well, it's, uh, it's, and, and uh, now, hey, look, if you, if, if you came in and you start smashing stuff up, okay, fine. But mere physical presence has gotten several people hard time. And, and yet, these guys were, were literally going, using certain targeting, certain representatives for harassment. Now, again, Colbert is an entertainer. Okay, fine. But... They were literally targeting certain members of Congress for harassment, and they were doing it under false pretense. All right, now isn't that essentially the isn't that the essence of what people say? Well, they were in, interfering with the electoral count, they, you know, vote count. That's the, the, the essence is the same thing, and yet one group gets hammered, and the other guys, ah, well, you know, he's on the right side. We don't. The more then, we don't. I mean, look at look at the guys. You know, all week we've been talking about the senators doing the insider trading, and now the yeah. guy, now the guy from Coinbase <laughs> is charged today. Really, he gets indicted. Yeah, he gets right. indicted. I mean, I, I mean, when, when one guy admits to it, yeah, I'm, I'm reading a bill that nobody else gets to read. I see a name in there, and I go buy this crap. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Well, but, yes, but I mean, it, it, see, the thing is, though, Chief, is that this goes through everything. Okay, this is not just it's not just in stocks. It's not just in securities. You take a look at what we've, what we have now found, okay, what we now know, 
Right. This goes all the way back through, you know, through dozens of things. It was just a report that was published the other day, uh, showed up in the medical field. And it doesn't have to do with the pandemic, surprisingly enough. Uh, it has to do, it's, as you know, uh, about, oh, I think it was seven or eight months ago, there was a drug approved for Alzheimer's that failed its primary endpoint. Right. And the endpoint was that it was, it was supposedly, it reduced the plaques in the brain, which the, the hypothesis is that that's the, that, you know, that's actually what causes a mental decline in Alzheimer's. Okay. The problem is the drug reduced the plaques measurably, very statistically significant in that regard. However, it did nothing to stop or reverse the cognitive changes. Zero. It had no impact on that whatsoever, and yet the FDA approves this as a drug, even though it didn't actually improve the disease. Well, remember now, uh, when my mom, my mom has been dead 13, 14 years maybe. Remember the, uh, the drug that was approved, the... Uh, was it an Aston that was approved because it was this huge drug cost a bunch of money? Yet every every time they tried it for something, it didn't work. It was first for colds, then it was right. maybe a cancer. It, it I don't think it ever did anything. And so when, when my mom was doing her chemotherapy, they said, "Well, if, here's this new drug," uh, and uh, and you know by that time she probably didn't have a whole lot of chance. And, they, and my mom goes, "Well, how much is it? Because Medicare doesn't cover it." The guy says, "Well, it's two grand a week." She says, "Does it work?" She goes, "You'll right. li- goes, You'll live about a, a week longer." She goes, "I'm not doing that. What Get out that? of here!" Right? <laughs> what are you? What are you well, out of your mind? You know what? So anyway, so here's the, so this 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 paper comes out a, a few days ago and says that the original the basic research that led to the hypothesis that these plaques are the cause of Alzheimer's wasn't wrong. It was deliberately falsified. Really? Okay. So now we've got what? We got a decade, two decades worth of. And, and by the way, this entirely explains why this drug that was approved failed its endpoint. Okay. And and yet it reduced the plaques, and yet it did, had nothing to do with the cognitive decline. Did nothing for it because the original research has said that the, this was the cause was false. I'm gonna before break here. I'm gonna we got some time here. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit, Carol. And when I say that, how do you, as somebody who was I was never a president of a place. I mean, you were, but I mean, I was on a board, and it is stunning how either by just random chance or just the way the world works, or people maybe doing it on purpose, it is so easy to get. Jarred off your game almost on a daily or weekly basis, the things you really want to focus on. To where I was done on my three-year term, it felt like I just was on there yesterday, and I, I didn't accomplish any of the stuff that I that I started to accomplish. I mean, I there were a million crises I helped with. There was stuff that I didn't even know was there that I helped with. But it wasn't like I didn't do anything. I mean, I, I, I spent a boatload of time and energy, and most people thought I was a, a really. I think most people because they couldn't wait to get me back on was a really good board member, and yet. <laughs> I mean, I, if, if knowing what we know, I mean, we identify just in the last three, four weeks. Let's just say, you and I, we we, we know we know this healthcare system is is a disaster. I mean, we, we absolutely in terms of costs and everything. I've got some stuff here for after the break. It's it's a little sloppy, but boy, it's it's unbelievable. If you look at the numbers, uh, uh, but yeah. I mean, how is it? I mean, if, if if you and I landed in the 
we'll be, we'll be and before there was a dictator in Rome, they had co-councils, right? Which actually, it's probably a two-man job or two-person job, not one as a president anyway. It's probably not a bad idea, actually. Um, but if you, know, you, t- you take care of the day-to-day crap that comes in, I'm going to go do the stuff we, we decided to get here <laughs> and, and do, to do something with Medicare and all the other stuff. I mean, it really is a two-person job, at least. But anyway, it's another story. But the, uh, how, how would we even find the time to get our hands around because this stuff just happens, Carl. There's an agenda. You don't even know who's making the rules. And all of a sudden, you'd be on the an Oval Office looking at the desk going, what am I signing this billboard for? This thing sucks. I mean, who did this? I mean, one of the one of the most incredible, well, I mean, I was you know I was never a huge fan once he got in because I think he kind of got co-opted real quick with Obama. But he had an interview from one of the people from 60 Minutes. And, uh, and the lady says, what's the hardest part about the job? And this is when I think he was... I think to a large extent, Obama's a pretty honest guy. He goes, he goes, the worst thing about it is everything that lands on your desk. <clears throat> you look at it and you go, if somebody would have done their job somewhere along the way, this wouldn't be here. Right. And uh, and now I have to deal with this. I don't I don't know the background of it. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, what is it even doing here? And, and he goes, and obviously it's a problem or it wouldn't have made it up this far. And why didn't somebody fix it along the way? With all these people who work here, and I couldn't believe he said that, but but he did. And uh, and how is it? When what? How could we possibly turn this bus around in the healthcare industry? When you have, uh, and again after the break, uh, I have some numbers here that are probably sloppy, but you know more about them than me. How do you take these edifices that are these new hospitals, and the dramatic amount of overhead that they have baked into the system, and say you're not charging ten thousand dollars a night? You're going to charge. You're going to charge two thousand dollars a night because that's what the cost is. If you look at it on a cost basis and not a and not an overhead, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that after the break. Because nobody knows the difference between cost accounting and regular accounting. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you you bring the bus back, Carl. I don't know. SP futures down five. Nasdaq futures down thirty nine. Be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. 
PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. You can't handle the truth! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howell. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. SP futures down only down four. NASDAQ futures down 37. I'd be surprised if we stay down here today because we've been so strong all week. I, I think there's there's money in the system now again. And with the words out, this is uh, happy days are here again. And we've got mutual fund buying on the close. And boy, what a change in a week. Dow futures up 74. Individual stocks in the Dow. American Express is down a little bit from the opening. It opened up 650. It's 550 now on their earnings. They were pretty good. Uh, we've got uh, everybody, nobody else is really. Verizon is uh, down uh, 221, but they're I don't uh, yeah they're in the Dow. Uh, so that's Verizon Telephone both had horrible weeks this week with earnings. I'm kind of surprised on that, especially the straddles were nowhere near two bucks. So you, I mean uh, it's a bigger move than anybody expected. Both in telephone I think telephone moved two dollars in the because straddle was 80 cents or something, which is really strange. Over in Asia we've got Nikkei up 111.4 percent. Shanghai down two. That's flat. Hang Seng up 34. Call that flat. So really a, um, a slow day in the Chinese stocks, uh, which and they've been crazy up and down. Hang Seng like like recently this week, like every week. Over in Europe, we've got uh, moderate to the upside. DAX up 78.6 percent. FTSE up 19.3 percent. CAC around up 30.5 percent. Uh, yesterday again another big day. Dow up 162. S&P down thir- up 39. Nasdaq down 161. There really isn't, there's, there's not a downtick the whole day. I mean, it's this week, it reminds me of it two years ago. I mean, we're right back in it. Uh, bonds uh, down 10 basis points, 2.80 on uh, a 10-year. I don't see how uh, that that's going on with the Fed doing what they claim they're going to do. I think they're not doing anywhere near what they say they're doing. The Bund down 17 uh, cents, 1.05. Uh, Japan unchanged at 0.22. we got oil, whack, whack, down 55 cents, 95.80. Uh, Brent down 29, 103.57, so a long way from that 120-something number it was a while ago. Natural gas up 12 cents, 8.07. Arbob down a petty, 3.13. We've got gold up 980, 17.23, a little bit of a bounce in gold. Silver up a penny, 18.73. Copper up 4 cents, 3.33. And we've got Bitcoin up 5.60, comfortably over 23,000. 23,650. I think when history is written, you might find out that the Fed did some bailing on these and these uh, coins now, because I don't think they wanted 
and industry to go under because I think it would cause a problem elsewhere. We also have the dollar against the euro. Is uh, uh, euro is actually down a bit, so the dollar is stronger, 1.018, but uh, still over one, which now is, appears to be the the line in the sand. Uh, Matt, what do you have for us? Traffic weather sports. Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.35 a.m. on Friday, July 22nd, 2022. In the MLB yesterday, Yankees at Astros. It was a doubleheader game. Game 1, Astros win 3-2. Game 2, Astros win again 7-2-5. Uh, another doubleheader, Tigers at Oakland. Tigers win Game 1 7-2. And Oakland wins Game 2 5-2-0. Rangers in Miami win 8 to nothing against Marlins. Dodgers beat San Francisco Giants 9-6. Uh, as well as that, tonight, Cubs at Phillies. Uh, catch that at 6.05 uh, to, uh, p.m. tonight. Uh, tonight, White Sox uh, at home, actually taking on the Guardians. Catch that at 7.05. Uh, the Diamondbacks versus Washington a little later. Uh, if you're up at 8.40 uh, p.m. tonight, uh, it'll, they'll, they'll be playing. Uh, weather in Chicago. Uh, currently, it's partly sunny. Uh, 72 degrees, a high of 89, and a low of 70. In uh, Phoenix, mostly cloudy, 93 degrees, a high of 113. Yeah, uh, there's an excessive heat warning in effect for that area, and a low of 92. Now for traffic in Chicago, uh, light traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Displains Avenue to downtown. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between North Kimball Avenue and West Fullerton Avenue. Again, that picks up at East Ohio to downtown. Uh, traffic westbound on the Kennedy between Lawrence Avenue and West Bryn Mawr Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 31st Street and downtown Jane, Jane Byrne Interchange. Uh, keep in mind that White Sox game, it is at home and guaranteed rate field. Uh, so, especially on the Dan Ryan, keep in mind the uh, traffic later this evening. Uh, and finally, traffic northbound on Stevenson between Route 171 and South Kedzie Avenue. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Um, so, you know, a guy like Carl was, you know, really smart dude. He had himself a company and did all this work and did everything like that and made all this money. A regular Bill Gates. He has a regular Bill Gates. He's, 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 he's our, our version of Bill Gates. Now here's, a, now here's a guy. This is so much simpler. Why don't I just do something like this? A guy named Jim, Jim Batten. He's, he spent $110,000 in West Lynn, Oregon, uh, building a super, this thing is really hot, a super luxury pool. He's got a nice house, big house. Super luxury pool with the, you know, the little houses and all the stuff for people to change and everything. He now rents out his pool with what they call something called swim, swim something. Tum. It's a it's like a swim app, like Airbnb. But yeah, it's for an pools. Airbnb for oh, for, wow. for pools. I got an app for everything. And uh, and a, a swim, uh, <clears throat> the app is called Swimply. S a w i m p l y, Swimply Pool. The guy's one hundred seventy seven grand. He's made already this year in there, Carl. Well, okay, so so here's another. Uh, it's it's another arbitrage game. Uh, and and in fact, I uh, was having quite a conversation with a with a guy uh, at the bar last night uh, between sets of live music on this. The whole Airbnb model, in the general sense, uh, and and Uber for that matter, uh, is an arbitrage game on <coughs> regulatory costs. And and not I'm willing to bet that not one Airbnb host in a hundred has commercial insurance on their house that they have on on the platform. Oh, without a doubt. And I'm willing to also bet that not one uh, one person in a thousand meets the commercial fire safety standards that even the smallest hotel that has three rooms has to meet. Okay. So, 
it, and and then you get into the fact that an awful lot of these guys are probably also not collecting and remitting bed tax to the wherever it is that they live, which is by the way charged on every single hotel room that is you know that is rented out within that particular municipality. And so it's it's a regulatory arbitrage game. Now, I happen to have a pool when I lived in Florida. Uh, don't have one here because it just it, you know when my kid was little, it was used literally every single day by both her and every one of her friends. Uh, of course, you know they all had pools, so half the time she was across the street in the neighbor's pool. But you know the splashing was a continual feature. Um, <laughs> as as she became an adult, whatever, the, the usage went way down, and it just, I, I don't use it enough to be worth the, the expense and the hassle of, of having and maintaining one. So when I bought my place up here, I, I, that was something I didn't want, because it, it is expensive to just have and maintain. Just, uh, just the power to run the pumps and stuff is, is non-trivial. Um, so here's the thing, though, is that the, a commercial pool, if you go down to the YMCA or you know your municipal pool, whatever have you, there is a whole set of regulatory requirements in terms of water quality monitoring and everything else that has to be done in order to be able to run a commercial pool and actually rent out, you know, to charge somebody five bucks to come swim, you know, at the municipal pool, whatever have you. And that's, and that's for very good reason. Uh, I mean, there's requirements for the laddering, for ladders and ingress and ingress and, and you know, the, the life rings that have to be around there and whatever have you. And, and that's because, um, hey, by the way, those things can be kind of dangerous. Yeah, okay? oh, yeah. Um, so guess what? Uh, anybody want to take a bet on whether or not this guy is actually can, can actually produce records? It shows that every day or every you know four hours or whatever. What, I, I don't know what the rules are in terms of the actual requirements, but I know they're there. That this guy's actually maintaining all of that, and, and, and oh by the way, that he has commercial insurance for you know when when the kid drowns in that thing. I bet he. Uh, I bet he's given his, his best effort, and it's probably pretty clean. But you're right; it's probably not. We need we do, we need a regulator. We need somebody on top. Well, of I gave it my best effort because I didn't want to get, you know yeah. get some waterborne disease in my own pool, right? But there's a, but there's a difference between the the level of care. I mean, you know, look, I you know I shovel my you know my the, the snow on my walk coming up to my porch for the same reason. I don't want to wipe out and you know break my you know break something. I do. All right, fine. But there is an entirely different set of standards for what you do as an individual and as a person and what meets the requirements of a personal liability policy on your house, which, which you know, it's part of your homeowner's insurance. And, and the same set of standards that you have to meet and the cost for doing that on a commercial enterprise. Oh, I agree. I mean, it's, a, it's some of the stuff on the commercial stuff is crazy, but... But, I mean, well, it, it may be crazy, but you know what? That's the cost that everybody that's right. competing with these people that are doing this has to pay. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, you know, the, the idea that, that the city demanded everybody have cab medallions and all of a sudden one day because, you know, Ram's brother was a stockholder in Uber, well, these guys don't have to have one. You're like, well, that's interesting, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, but that's the thing is that, you can you can argue that the original regulatory system that was uh, that was displaced by these these things was was corrupt. It was terrible. It was you know it was overbearing. It was uh, that's not relevant. What's relevant is that the only reason these these platforms and these applications exist is because they found a way to not go to jail by literally breaking the law, and they're encouraging other people to do it and taking a cut of the profits. 
Now, where I come from, that's called racketeering. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. All well, right, now, it doesn't appear to be where anybody else is coming from these days, but where I come from, that's the name for we, that activity. We, uh, we seem to have lost a lot of this among uh, as time has gone by. If, it, if, if people are doing it enough, young people look at it and go, what's the problem? And right now, if you were to I mean, I walk into a, a, a younger person's saloon and say, geez, this outfit just... Uh, uh, some, there's you know two hamburger joints in town. These guys just paid up and bought the other one and raised the prices of the hamburgers. Nine out of ten would say, "Well, yeah, that, that's just business. That's cool." Well, no, no, no. Yeah, well, that. you know, so it, it's as I've said on the show several times, and it's and it's absolutely the truth. I wouldn't even go have a beer with one of our competitors when I was running my internet. Company. Oh, right, you couldn't yeah, because gotta... there was always the risk that. You know, I mean, maybe I'm being set up. Maybe you know, hey, there's a Fed over there with a wire on him, or or maybe I mean, it could be entirely innocent. But somebody overhears it, and bam, there you go. Well, the 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 uh, CBOE, the the guys who ran it, uh, well, when I was there, were well, the last year was Bratsky, but the before that were uh, Duke Chapman, Alger B. Duke Chapman, uh, and Chuck Henry, and they were really straight guys. You know. Alger B. Duke Chapman. Talk about a guy. Here, here, here's an interesting story. I mean, these guys are both. He, the dad's long dead, and Duke died, unfortunately. Uh, his, his his dad's picture. What's what's the name of the club in New York? Uh, the the one the one uh, Carnegie put up because he, he thought the people downtown were too snooty with the New York Athletic Club, so he built one along Central Park for like regular folk. But by the time he got done building it, it was like ten times nicer than the one downtown. The name, it's it's right on uh, Central Park. I'm going to say uh, it's it's got to be on the south uh, east side, right across the street, and where you can look right across over on the horse trail. Maybe a block up from uh, uh, the plaza. Anyway, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know enough about New York. But anyway, the, the place city, is so. un- place is unbelievable, right? All these all these Italian art and, and all this. They brought all these Italian. Sculptors over and did all this stuff. This is this is for the non snooty hotel with play. Anyway, Alger B. Duke Chapman's dad was one of the uh, uh, he ran the place for a while. So all the the former runners of the place have their pictures, you know, in like Portrait Hall, you know, like they do for stuff like that. Right. His picture is bigger than the one for Carnegie. <laughs> anyway, so so Duke um, said his old man invented the the black ball system. Matt, do you have any idea what I'm talking about in the black ball system? Hmm, it's probably not the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, well, it's it's sort of the same thing. If if the if the membership committee got together and a guy like Carl came in on, beneath the table, so nobody would see whether he, what right. you did or what you didn't do, a box was passed, and you either put the black ball or the white ball in there. And if there was one black ball in there, that was it. That was that was it, and uh, and the guy was out. But the thing of it is, nobody had to identify. Who the who the who it was, who it was that stuck it in there? Right. Stuck it in there. So Duke's telling me this story. We have a bunch of cocktails. One, I'd imagine that he's telling me a story. He goes, "My dad, because there was one guy on the board he couldn't stand, and the guy he didn't like anybody, right? So the the thing comes around, and there's all the white balls in there, and there's one black ball. And he knew exactly who who the black ball thing was, but just to see if the guy was going to be a knucklehead or not, he goes, "I see there's only one black ball in here." And I have to admit it was mine, and I'll pull it out right now and pull the black ball out. Thinking that the guy, if he had any stones whatsoever, he'd say, wait a minute, that's my black ball, and, I, right. I, and it stays. The guy never said a word. 
<laughs> just say ah, there you go. <laughs> anyway, well, you know, but that, but see, that's uh, the thing is, is that when you when you look at all of the business things that have gone on over the last ten years or so, and this is and this is one of the things that that I think is responsible for an awful lot of the BS that's that's happening within the country, and it's especially true in the areas that are concentrated where you have to spend money. So, I mean, you know, healthcare is one of them, right? Bloomberg's opinion page comes out yesterday and says the Biden administration needs to force the price of gasoline, put a floor on the price of gasoline at $5, and the reason they have to do it is to force us all to buy electric vehicles and and cut our carbon emissions and da-da-da-da. Yeah, okay. So the, the hidden truth within this story is that the, the the people that would advance this agenda have just admitted that without a gun being shoved in your head, you would not make this choice because it's not logical. Right. And therefore, we're going to force you to do it. We're literally going to threaten to shoot you. Because, I mean, when you get down to it, all government force, if you say no, comes down to somebody pulls out a gun, right? I mean, you know, whether it's it's taken to your bank account or <laughs> whether your bank account gets shot or you get shot, it doesn't matter. It's the same thing. So what they've admitted is that this is ultimately what the game is about, is that we can't make the argument on economics. The people have decided to call BS on it, that the costs are higher than the benefits, and therefore they're not going to do it on their own, and therefore we're going to use force. And this is what we, in order to get what we want, we're going to use force. Well, you look at what goes on in the healthcare system today, and it's the same thing. And as I pointed out, to, as I pointed out several times, insurance is a regulated industry. You can only make 10%. In the, in the typical case, and it's regulated at the state level, and they and that's how the regulation works. And they do this for the perfectly legitimate reasons, because otherwise, any kind of collusion, which in many cases they're allowed to engage in, results in you just getting you know, bent over the table and hosed, right? But the problem with this is that as soon as you do that, the only way for that company to grow is to either make the incidents that occur more frequent or to make them more expensive. And there is no other way for that company to ever get bigger. It's impossible, because if you're more efficient, if you improve your internal operations efficiency, you don't get to keep any of the money. Well, we've gone from a a little bit, uh, I mean, I'm not saying everybody's like this, because you you don't want to generalize. What what, what do they call the, uh, the, the, the the loud white woman? It yells at everybody all the time. What's, what's uh, she's? What's the name? The bit? Not a Betty. What, what do they call her? They call her a Karen. 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 <laughs> Karen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it, when I'm not saying again, this is not general, but a lot of people have the view. Let's play the, the the view used to be is freedom means you got to do pretty much whatever you wanted to do as long as you didn't hurt anybody else. Right. Well, now it's freedom means you you get to do what I want you to do. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, well, it, but the thing is, is that it's, the problem with all of this is that it's a scam, okay, when you get down to it, and, and you're right, it's about, we're going to force you to do it, whether it is, whether you would choose to do that on a, on a clean basis or not, and if we have to, we'll either not bother giving you the data, or if the data goes the wrong way, we'll deliberately obscure it so you can't find it without a great deal of effort. And then we'll run a, a propaganda campaign that says that something is wonderful and awesome and great when, in fact, it sucks. Well, I would, and so, <laughs> but I, w- I would say you know we, we've done this, and if you do it, we'll, we'll, I got a whole bunch of numbers here in this healthcare. We'll, we'll save this for next week. If you do it in a in a, in a gradualistic 
way, Carl. I think to use the the power of economics for for your side to make policy move a little bit, I don't necessarily have a big problem with it as long as it's it's like anything else. As as long as it's done in a common sense. I mean, if if you if you, if you look at city of Chicago, for instance, uh, you can't or New York. Uh, you can't have, you, you physically can't have, well, nobody wants to come downtown anymore, but three million people drive downtown, or a million people drive downtown. You, you, you can't do it. Even even if, whether there was carbon, not carbon, electric, you name it, you can't do it. So you're, you're going you're gonna to have this public transportation, which is capable of moving big groups of people, used to be very efficiently without getting knifed and everything else, or people... Right, trying to rob you on a train, but it, but now we don't seem to be able to deal with that. But instead of dealing with it, but I, I don't really have an issue. Uh, Thirty years ago, of having a a nickel gas tax uh, to help the uh, rail infrastructure, especially if it's getting older. I mean, I'm not talking about five bucks or anything. I don't really because because we just can't have now the nickel is going to maybe make a little bit of difference. But if we if we t- if we couple the nickel with keeping the rides on the trains cheap enough, we might be able to get fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand people out of their cars onto the trains and, and, and actually do some good, you know, and use using the economics to get us there. Now it's not the same as saying we're going to put a twenty dollar gallon thing on gas and whatever. But I mean, at it, it, at some point, a little of the stuff kind of goes a long way. I mean, I I think when 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 Roosevelt. Uh, said you were raising the, the, the labor age to 16, well, A, that was probably the right thing to do, but B, it drew people out of the labor force, meaning, guess what, in order for, the, now you're going to raise the income level of everybody else that's in there, maybe even a little bit, but but at least a little bit. So I, I don't, using economics for these slight changes, I don't really have a problem with, but the problem, the, the word now has to be slight. I mean, I think that everybody right. on the show... Uh, would understand that, uh, I mean, if somebody were going to build two or three nuclear reactors right now, you're not going to get your payback the first year. I mean, duh. You know, so there needs to be some sort of uh, maybe help with the financing on something like that, sort of like your interstate highway system. I mean, the first year, w- was it worth it? Probably not. You know, but, I mean, as time goes by. But I, I think all of us would think that when we start doing this carbon and all this kind of stuff, we should identify areas where we can make progress like right now and i'm going to say i would i would electrify all the commuter rails i would certainly electrify the locomotives in the southwest u.s where there's not i mean we can we can get there if we just say look uh, number one is we're going to be energy energy independent from the russians and the arabs i'll, I'll say that tomorrow I, I don't care in front of them we're, and, it, and if we have to have all these coal plants Available and everything else. Maybe we're going to use them one day a month just to keep them going. We're going to keep all that stuff available because we're not going to be pushed around by any of these people. And as time goes yeah, by, and I think, that, and I think that in general, that sort of a you know that sort of a statement, that sort of an activity, is would be tremendously positive. Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to say that. Guess what? Five years from now, that coal plant instead of operating two days a week, it's going to be a one, and maybe it's going to be one a month. But we're not sure. Maybe. We're not, we, maybe, we, maybe it's just there in case we need it ever. You know, maybe. But, yeah, maybe. Or, or we, we have enough other stuff to where, but I, I, I see no reason why the, uh, the commuter rails in Chicago have not been electrified. 
I see no reason why there's diesel locomotives pulling stuff on the Santa Fe tracks in, in northern New Mexico when there's nothing but sun and, and, and whatever. I mean, at 400 miles, they should all be electric locomotives. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I, I can, I mean I, I'm, I'm against all the stuff these tree hugger people are doing and the way they're doing it, but I want to get there just as much as they do, Carl. That doesn't mean I don't want to get there. I mean, I, I just want to get there in a logical way. Well, it's, the thing is, is that the, the market in the general case, not always, of course, there's, you know, there's always going to be cases where the, where the market, at least in the short term, is wrong. Uh, I mean, you know, just take a look at what happens with, you know, with stock prices and on a daily basis, right? I mean, it's, you know, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Uh, but the thing is that over the longer period of time, and especially as, as time shakes out, uh, it's it's amazing how competition tends to solve these kinds of problems if you leave it alone. And it, it, the reality of it is is that nobody, uh, it, well, not nobody, essentially nobody, less than 1% of the population wants to kill themselves or their children. Right. So to the extent that there is truly an existential threat from the standpoint of what we do, you know, we, clean, we cleaned up, when I, when I was a kid, it, it, my eyes watered every time I went by the local chemical plant in my, you know, my parents' oh, yeah. car. Okay, the place. I mean, it was it was nasty. And someday, maybe maybe that's going to get me because of the chemical exposure. You know, someday I'll I'll you know start growing a third eye out of the side of my head or something like this. So I mean that that is is very real. But you know what? We did, and, and I couldn't. You couldn't eat the fish out of the river near where I lived, and you know things like this. Today, all you know, Love Canal. We all know about this stuff. Today, that stuff's essentially all gone. We fixed that. And, and yes, some of it was regulatory, but some of it was also because people put their foot down. And, and by the way, there's an old Friedman um, speech that I stuck up on my forum a couple of days ago. And, and I agree with much of what he has to say, but he's wrong in a couple places. Uh, and in one of the places where he's wrong is that people will always make those white, you know, that, that none of these big changes had any kind of, of large human clamoring for them with, among the population. That's that's not entirely true. Okay? Exactly. He's been you a think lot of that places. I liked the idea of not being able to walk past this plant uh, and you know and, and going by at an extra five miles an hour in the car because by God, you know, you you know, you literally your eyes were watering as you went by. No. And so, was there a clamoring among the people who lived there to do something about it? Yes. It, it, is it nice that you can actually eat the fish out of the water now? Yes. Did the people want that? Yes. Um, but is 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 this you know this kind of nonsense? You just had the, a politician running around saying that this this wave that washed over a, a beach party in Hawaii it was a wedding is is because of climate change? No, it's not. It's because it was a tropical storm that was you yeah. know a hundred miles offshore. What do they tend to produce? Large waves. Well, yeah. All right. I mean, you know, hey, I I lived where those kinds of things show. And you know what? You could you could have a perfectly nice day, but if if there's a tropical storm, you know, a hundred miles offshore, uh, you might get a relatively large wave. I mean, is it is it enough that it's going to kill people? No, probably not. But is is it going to come up over your beach and kind of ruin your you know your your cooler beard that's sitting there next to you? Yeah, it might. <laughs> Carl, when I was uh, real quick, we're going a couple of seconds. When I was uh, a Ute and I was working at Pullman. There was a YMCA there, and if I could get a handball game or something, I, I would do that. But if not, if not, I'd go over three days a week. We'd go out a couple of days. And I, I would actually go out in the park, and I'd run like four or five miles and uh, back when I could. And uh, 
I even did it like what, a, what an idiot I was. I I would do that like doing an ozone alert, and, and I and I get back to to the why taking a shower and I'm going. I don't feel refreshed. I feel like I just killed myself. I mean, you, you yeah. couldn't, you couldn't breathe. I, I, I don't, I don't know that. I, I think I was, I, w- I think I was hurting myself, not, not helping at that point. I mean, but I was too dumb to know that. I just, I had to be in shape for basketball or handball, or whatever. So I, I, I went running. Man, it was. You needed somebody in front of you to break the air. I mean, it was, it was horrible. It, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the river was worse. You, you could see when you drove downtown. There was a level of, of, of a. Uh, of uh, well, if you went to the top of like the the, Nash, the Hancock, you could see the the layer of, of soot halfway up the building. Oh yeah, no, I know, and and it's and, and I mean I don't think anybody argues that, that you know that sort of stuff was good. Right? Yeah, but but the market solves most of these kinds of problems. Well, you know, the, the market. The interesting thing is is that our our per capita CO two emissions have gone down substantially in the United States, and the reason that they went down is because natural gas got cheaper. Well, also, it has I mean, absolutely nothing we, we, to do with anything else. It's just that there's more energy in a mole of natural gas than there is in a mole of coal because of the hydrogen bonds. Yeah. And when natural gas got cheaper, guess what people used? They didn't use it because they wanted to be cleaner. They used it because it cost less. Well, we got a dash, but uh, the only thing I, I don't like the part about some of the Friedman stuff was that I don't like the idea that the people who clean the stuff up aren't the people who dirtied it. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, but have a good weekend. Stay out of stay out of those bars. There's German, there's Germany in there now with all these new variants and so forth. SP Futures oh, down. That's all right. <laughs> SP Futures down four days. Futures down forty. Back on Monday, stocks and jacks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Do you remember ABC? Yeah, always be closing. That's right, always be closing.